0: This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cohn Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting ZenNovaSkotia.com. Tonight we come to the fourth awakening of great beings. The fourth realization of adults. Dogen writes, The fourth awakening is diligent effort. It is to engage ceaselessly in wholesome practices. That is why it is called diligent effort. It is refinement without mixing in other activities. You keep going forward without turning back. There's a lot of talk in this tradition about continuous practice or ceaseless practice. And it's easy to misunderstand. I know that in many ways I'm probably still trying to figure it out. But I also know from this vantage point that when I was younger I had it completely, completely wrong. I think I've spoken of this before, that I would hear about things like continuous practice, and then I would sit in a coffee shop with my friends at night in college, and I would keep my eyes down as if I were in Zazen, and I would try to actually physically be doing that practice all the time. Just, I was such an irritating person. It was such a narcissistic vision, of practice that somehow I was carrying with me some sort of bodhi tree and it was protecting me from the rain all the time (laughs) and sure I was dressing like a normal person but I was actually doing this very important thing that meant I couldn't operate heavy machinery that's not continuous practice There's a huge difference, a world of difference, between how we commonly understand spirituality and spiritual practice. People love to talk about spirituality and to say, I'm a very spiritual person, or I'm very interested in spirituality. But to say that you're interested in spirituality in many ways is the same as saying you're a human being. I acknowledge that I have some sort of feelings that I can't easily describe and they have a bit of a sense of scale to them. I would like to feel these feelings more. I'm a spiritual person as if there's someone who isn't. There's a whole industry dedicated to letting people stop right there. Just trying to feed that feeling. But the misunderstanding when we stop with spirituality is that we aren't recognizing what those feelings are. Those feelings are impulses. And an impulse is a call to act. To do something. To give some expression or some voice or some form, some shape to that feeling. And it's out of that recognition that this is an impulse that we develop spiritual practices as attempts at discovering that expression of establishing that voice this tradition offers one set of those practices but not by any means the only valid ones but what does it mean then to take up these practices and to take them up continuously to never, 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 never stop. Again, it isn't about doing just one thing. And it isn't about sitting on a cushion in just this way all the time. And it isn't, though the tradition holds this as well, that you're holding one thought right here, constantly. Koan practice can take that shape where you're handed a question and you're asked to carry it with you into everything that you do. And so it becomes the, the soundtrack of you getting up in the morning. It becomes the soundtrack Of you driving your car. It's the music that's constantly, constantly playing in your head. You never let it go. That's a very powerful thing to do. But in this particular tradition, no one's going to hand you that question. That doesn't mean there's no question, but no one's going to give it to you. Not exactly. When we talk about practice especially in the context of continuous practice what we're really talking about is function. It's about embracing a a role in the world. That's something you can do continuously. It's something that if you really do embrace it It will sting a little bit if you try to step away. I know I'm always using examples that come from parenting. But if you're a parent, you may actually imagine sometimes that you wish you could just momentarily not be. That would be great. (laughs) You may even create the causes and conditions of some sort of distance. You, know, you may jump at that opportunity to take a business trip and get away from your family for a little while and get a little air. But you're still a parent. And I think you actually feel that most keenly in those moments when you imagine that you've created some sort of gap. You haven't. But that analogy is only so useful because you really are stuck in that situation. The kind of function that I'm talking about embracing is still one that we choose. In this tradition, when we speak of being a bodhisattva, when we talk about the bodhisattva path, It's a path that we choose, but it's a path that's born out of that impulse. It's a very natural expression of that impulse that feels to us vaguely spiritual. It's a role. It's a job. The best definition I've ever heard of a bodhisattva is that a bodhisattva is a straight line. A bodhisattva always knows which direction he or she is going. You wake up in the morning and bam, you're off. Serving that role in whatever form it takes And the next morning, that alarm goes off, and again, bam. You don't go right, and you don't go left. It's analogous in some ways to the ways in which we talk about being an artist. That if you're an artist, you're an artist all the time. that doesn't mean that you wake up every day knowing exactly what to do. In fact, most of the artists that I know would say that it's the opposite. That much of your life is spent really, really unsure how to express this choice that you have made. But the question is constant. It's never put a So some of being an artist looks like creating art. And a lot of being an artist is this kind of almost contraction. This kind of welling up of energy. Because you know that you don't have a choice not to do this. yesterday I I threw out my back uh, I was my back felt a little bit stiff and I just bent over to touch my toes and that felt really good so I stayed there a little while and then the second I tried to stand up this was at work yesterday just I moved half an inch and I just dropped on the ground and I couldn't I couldn't move. I didn't know where to go. I was just stuck. It was terrible. And so since then, since yesterday, I've been walking in this very, very careful way that some of you may relate to. If you don't have this particular experience, maybe you know what it's like to break a toe, for example. You can't forget that it happened. And so you're left with this constant, constant awareness of what must be done. This is a very narrow example. This isn't about, you know, fulfilling some sort of spiritual path. It's, it's that in every gesture, you're aware that if you turn just a little bit this way, that's going to get really bad. And that you'd better not walk too quickly. And that when you sit down, you need to be really careful about sitting down. It's a very frustrating but also a very powerful experience. It's, it's a tiny hint of what it means to be doing just one thing all the time. So maybe I'm helping my kids put on their shoes, but what I'm really doing is taking care of this little problem that I have. And it may look like I'm sitting in a chair, but what I'm really doing is taking care of my back. In the same way, when you follow this straight line, it may look like you're doing a million different things. But you're really just doing this one thing. You're really just giving voice to the impulse you have to offer yourself. You're giving shape to some natural and organic inclination to be generous and you're figuring out constantly what that means. You are ceaselessly and tirelessly investigating the question of how that part of you walks, and how that part of you talks, and how that part of you eats. And though it doesn't result in sharp pain when you drop the question it does bring with it a kind of dull ache where you know that you're not walking in a straight line the Buddha said monks if you make diligent effort, nothing is too difficult. That's why you should do so. I'm going to say that one more time. If you make diligent effort, nothing is too difficult. What this sounds like is that if you, if you really work hard at something, you can accomplish some task. but if we read this literally to be that nothing is too difficult, then that working hard is also not too difficult. That effort is also not too difficult. What is difficult is negotiating your life. What is difficult is when you imagine that this path, that this impulse, that this practice is something that you do part-time. And you start having to make decisions about when you're going to follow this path and when you're going to kind of ease up and give yourself a break. When you're asking yourself the question constantly, is it okay now to rest? That's difficult. But when you make a decision to not ask that question anymore, When you decide that you really do know what this straight line is, again, even if you have no idea how to walk it, then continuous practice is easy. All you have to do is stay with that first decision. the Buddha says, It is like a thread of water piercing through a rock by constantly dripping. If your mind continues to slacken, it is like taking a break from hitting stones before they spark. You can't get fire that way. What I am speaking of is diligent effort. So we have this nice image that if you're, if you're striking stones... Trying to get a spark, and then every once in a while you just stop. You're tired. You're always starting from zero. The reality is, you always are starting from zero. So we shouldn't get too hung up on this question of result. We shouldn't get stuck on what is flint and what is fire. Sometimes you are flint, and sometimes you are fire. That's what it really looks like. If you decide to walk on that straight line, sometimes it feels like. Like obstacle after obstacle. Because again, you're not going right or left. And then sometimes there's this great clarity in it where you're just ablaze with purpose. Neither is fruition. and neither is only path so diligent effort tonight you go home watch some fireworks and you go to bed but before you fall asleep you remind yourself of what you need to do when you wake up. Of which way you need to face. And then when you wake up, you get up and you start moving. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.